Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome to Mass Live's Ion Foxborough podcast. I'm Karen Garigian, and today I'm thrilled to have Patriots Hall of Famer Matt Light is our guest. Hello, Matt. Well, hello, Karen. And how's by you? <laughs> All is good, I guess. You get, well, are we talking two and eight? <laughs> is that is that part of the <laughs> issue? Well, you know, I think it's been so difficult to have a conversation this season about what the Pats are other than just negative, right? I mean, it's not it's not really the way I like to look at things. Um, but when you're two and eight, you're two and eight and there's really no sugarcoating it. Yeah. Well, do you have anything positive you'd like to share before I get into the, get into the negatives? (laughs) Well, you know, I think the one thing, and I, I don't know that it's necessarily a positive, but I'm not sure that the, the way that, people are judging this team or really the league in general is is fair for one reason you know if you were to back up and you think about over your career covering the NFL and seeing all the different teams and different coaches and the playing styles and the trends you know 10 years ago 12 years ago you would say that there were at least 10 to 15 and maybe more in some years, really good quarterbacks, right? And maybe not in the great category, but really good. And, you know, you're talking about the Phillip Rivers and you're talking about, you know, the Rogers and the, and the Brady's and the Breeze and the Manning's and the other Manning, you know, and, you know, there were a lot of other quarterbacks too that, you know, performed at a high level and maybe didn't have the longevity that some of these guys did. But today, who's the great quarterback? Right. I think the the overall consensus would be Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. Outside of that, there's a lot of people that throw their hands up and they say, well, what about this guy? And, oh, well, then there's an argument. What about there's not a real big agreement on who two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine and ten are. Right. So right. the question you have to ask yourself is, are there just not kids that are able to come out of college playing, you know, quarterback at a high level? 
And, and the answer is that's not really fair to have that assessment. The reason I started off with, I don't think people are judging it correctly, is because I've said for a decade now that the way that the league practices, the way that they prepare the men to go out on the field and try to perform at a high level has failed. And it's failed horribly. And so, therefore, if you're going to judge a quarterback or you're going to judge, you know, any aspect really of the team in general, you have to say, well, <laughs> look at how they practice. So how can we actually expect much more than this? And the answer is you can't. But the quarterback position is where it sticks out the most. If you don't have a whole bunch of guys on that offensive line that know how to play together, if you don't have the backups that have actually been conditioned into shape and understand what it takes, there's no way you're going to have good quarterback player. I don't care how great they are. So the answer is this. Quarterbacks are still very talented. They just don't get the reps in practice and either do the linemen who are trying to protect them. And therefore, we have really sloppy looking offensive play. We have really sloppy looking, you know, coordination, line of scrimmage penalties, you know, mental errors, you name it. And that's why I believe we have a league that looks the way it does. And I'm not just speaking of Patriot Nation here. I'm not just speaking of, you know, this two and eight team. I mean, across the board, it's really ugly football. Yeah, I think, you know, speaking of offensive line play, I don't think it's not just a problem, like you said, that the Patriots have. It's across the league. And I think you and I have also talked about this going back to, I believe, the CBA in 2011, um, which I think that was the year you left, you know, where they cut back on padded practices. And and I think guys in the trenches in particular really need those padded practices. Uh, and I'm guessing you might agree with me. Yeah. And it was 2011, you know, I played under that CBA, you know, we got that deal done. If you go back and you really look at the history of how that deal was accomplished in 09, the owner started talking about a 17th game it, by mid 2009, you know, basically D Smith and, you know, the, the union, set about with a narrative that said, well, if you want a 17th game, you're going to have to pay a lot of money, uh, but really we don't want to give it to you because our guys are getting the heck beat out of them. And and that's the first time you really heard about concussions. And I can tell you this much, Karen, I never in my life, and I played football for a long time, all my life, it wasn't until 2009 that I heard anyone bringing up concussions. Now that that may seem shocking. Some people may think that's impossible, but that's a fact. It wasn't talked about. It was, you know, you got your bell rung, you got dinged, you got whatever. And so, you know, on one hand, you know, it was brought up because they didn't want to give in to the owners getting a 17th game, right? I mean, that's why concussions <laughs> were brought up. <laughs> and then, of course, for those that don't remember, uh, our Congress got involved, right? And they started to push this narrative and, and mom started holding kids out from playing a game of football. But by the time we got to 2011, the owners gave up on trying to get the 17th game, but they played the long game and they said, okay, we're going to make the game safer. We're going to take away all these hits that, you know, are, are sending guys, you know, out for the season, right? The, the really devastating hits. We're going to limit the number of times that you get hit in practice. And we're going to do all these things that make the game healthier and safer for the players. But the reality is something much different. The game is far less safe today from just an overall rate of injury. 
Now, that shouldn't be the case when you don't hit at all, really, anymore. But it is the case because these guys aren't conditioned to play the game. And your backups aren't conditioned. So when your starter goes down, your backup is even more vulnerable to injury. So the numbers speak for themselves. But look, like I've said many times, it was never about player safety, health, and wellness. It's always been about the 17th game. It goes all the way back to 2009. So when you push a narrative that says the game's safer, we're taking less hits, you know, a lot less hits. You know, these guys are, you know, their bodies are, you know, are better off. Now let's add a 17th game. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, well, that's not a big deal. But for some of these young players that don't realize the history of it, it goes it goes a lot deeper than just surface. And, you know, therefore, we now have a league that doesn't practice their players, doesn't prepare them to go out there and be able to play a whole season. The rate of injury is far greater than it ever has been. And it's really sloppy football. And, oh, by the way, yeah, you can't protect your quarterback, so it's not going to look real good offensively. Mm. Well, that, that that's certainly the case, and it was really in spades out in the, the game against the Colts with Germany. Five sacks coming in the first uh, half. Um, but, you know, the Patriots can address it, but as you said, it, it's just tough. Somebody gets injured or whatever, and trying to have that, I know Scar always talked about the continuity of the players on the line. And if you don't have the continuity, it's hard to know what everyone next to you is doing. Yeah. You know, I think, and again, there, that's why practice is so important. That That's where you build that continuity. That's where you build the trust. That's where you build, you know, the, the little things, the, the little looks that you see in practice. And by the way, we practice really hard. You know, you talk about a guy like Rodney Harrison and Mike Vrabel and Brewski and all. I mean, look, we had our starters out there going against, you know, the the, the first team, right? It wasn't, you know, a whole bunch of guys that are just kind of slapping it out there. We were very competitive in practice. I don't know what the competitive nature is in practice, but I do know this, the opportunity to be competitive and help your team prepare week in and week out just, it really doesn't exist. I don't think they put pads on from here on out at all during the season right uh, except for you know the game day yeah uh, right you know it's all and again i'm sure that must drive coach belichick slightly crazy <laughs> yeah well i said this too when we signed that cba i said you know they basically nullified one of bill's greatest strengths now look he's phenomenal obviously in the film room and getting guys you know in meetings to understand concepts and all that stuff but that only takes you so far. It's always been the reps of practice. And Bill's been, you know, really good at at going out there and, and having a very disciplined practice, going through each of the individual sessions, the team sessions, getting the most out of what he wants the team to see, what he wants them to practice. But that doesn't exist these days. So that that's definitely, you know, one of his biggest strengths that was nullified, you know, overnight. Did you ever think we'd reach a day uh, where, you know, there's people call, thinking, telling Bob Kraft it's time to move on from Bill? Did you ever think we'd hit that point? You know, I, I, I never thought Tom Brady would be allowed to leave, but, you know, I guess we've seen, I, you know, I never thought Lori Malloy would be cut, you know, right before week one. I didn't think Logan Mankins would be let go. I, I I didn't think a lot of things over the years, Karen, but um, 
I also know that I don't want Bill's job and I don't know anyone that could do it better. So when it comes to the conversation as of late, you know, whether or not Kraft or anyone else, you know, should have a conversation about moving on from Bill, I have to... <laughs> I have to just say, you know, if not Bill, then who, right? That's the that's the most important question. But, you know, secondarily, is it really fair to just put it on Bill? If I was Robert Kraft, I would be going to the owners meeting and saying, hey, I love the $78 billion that DraftKings and FanDuel generates on a regular basis for all of our pocketbooks. But this is kind of killing, you know, our organization. This is killing our league, how we're doing business. Instead of getting a, another coach where it's anybody's guess on what you're going to get, they typically don't work out, right? Uh, I would keep the one you have that's done a pretty good job, and I would change the rules of engagement and let him, you know, have the opportunity to coach these guys. And by the way, give the players a chance to actually go out there and play at their best as well. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um but one other thing I think comes into play with Coach Belichick, and I've, some people have kind of told me this behind the scenes, is it frustrates him, like today's athlete frustrates <laughs> frustrates him to no end. And it's hard to, for him to relate uh, to players who constantly question why they're doing things and of course, Bill saying, look at my rings because I said so, you know, it's just a whole different dynamic for him, you know, having to get his message across to athletes who just don't do what they're told without question. Yeah, well, and that, and that is the world we live in. But but think about it, right? Um, I, I can remember growing up and and hearing the the pros um not, not the professionals but the the good things about playing sports right you, you remember you know you, you hear coaches when they're talking to young kids and, and they're trying to get them excited about you know giving sports a chance right you never played before son well here's the things you can look forward to you, you know it'll push you right it'll get you outside your comfort zone it'll force you to you know, to, to take direction and, and, and respect, you know, the, your elders, so to speak, right. It'll, it'll, uh, you know, it'll give you a, a sense of teamwork, right. What it means to be a part of a team to build trust and integrity with the guys around you, right. These are some of the, the, the reasons, and, and there's many others that sports are such team sports are such a great thing for young people. Right. But in today's world, the message is everything else but that, right? Think about how they've designed, especially when you look at college, right? You got all these high school players, and their goal is to get paid millions to go to college, right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, not only are they doing it, they're celebrating it. They're, they're telling all these young people, hey, listen, it's all about the money. Get as much as you can. If you're not happy with the coach, if he if he comes down on you, enter the transfer portal. Somebody else is going to be there to take you. And when they do, they're going to give you even more money to go with them, right? So there's no integrity. There's no trusting your teammate. There's no respect for your coaches who you told you're going to be there and you're going to work hard. You can leave whenever you want, and we're going to give you all the money, right? I mean, how absurd is this world that we live in 
And that's the kind of player that Bill Belichick now has in his room. So when Bill says, hey, this is what you got to do, there shouldn't be a, <laughs> I don't know, a question mark of any kind. He's the head coach who is is directing the team that's paying you millions of dollars. You should do it, but these kids have no idea what that means. Hmm. You know, another <clears throat> element I think comes into play uh, over the course of his 20 plus seasons and even, you know, starting back, you know, when you played, you know, you had Dante Scarnecchia as your offensive line coach, arguably the best Ivan fierce was there. Um, there seems to be, you know, Ernie Adams was there. There just seems to be a, a brain drain. And I think that's, that's maybe kind of an under, under the radar issue that's impacted uh, the Patriots do you agree or disagree on that well I think I think I've learned a lot about the coaching carousel that is the NFL and I think it actually extends well it definitely extends into college right um it's it's all about CYA in that world right um you you don't really have the hardcore football guys of the past the guys that you mentioned you know um whether they were, you know, players at one point or they were strictly a guy like Ernie Adams, a love of the game of football and and gave everything he had to it now. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to a friend of mine who played in the league for a long time and and coached. And he said, you know, it is as cutthroat a world as there ever could be, ever has been or ever will be. You know, these guys are all out for themselves. They're you know, they're not even on the same team, even though they're coaching together. Right. It's it's they 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 have this fear of being fired uh, every week. Right. And and what's going to happen to them, what's going to happen to their families. And, and I understand that aspect of it. But there's just really no loyalty amongst the coaches of the world today. And so, therefore, the motives, why they do what they do, you know, self-preservation, you know, protect the house kind of a mentality before you actually do what's in the best interest of your team, right? That That's what prevails. And so that's the culture. And I think if you understand it from that perspective, it makes it a little bit easier to understand, you know, why it's so difficult for a guy like Bill Belichick to go out there and find a person that just wants to grind day in and day out to make their unit, you know, their 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 group of men who are taking the field the best they can possibly be. And that's what those guys did. That's what the Ivan Fears and the Dante Skarnekias did every single day. Hmm. Well, I know your paths cross with Bill O'Brien. And on a scale of one to ten, how did that sideline explosion with Mac rate? <laughs> uh, <did> you... <laughs> well, I was waiting for that. You know, I mean, that's that's the Billy O that I know. And and I've always had a lot of respect for Billy O. You know, he's a he's a New Englander. He's a guy that uh I think is I think his brothers are, you know, are 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 really successful. And I used to always mess them. I'm like, hey man, what happened to you? You're a coach and your brothers are all these successful guys and blah, blah, blah. And you know, he's somebody that you can you can razz a little, you can have fun with. Um, he brings the fire. He's very, very passionate about what he does and how he does it. And, you know, for me, I, I always loved a coach like that. You knew what you were going to get. If you didn't do it well, he was going to let you know you knew where you stood. If you did it great, he was going to be there celebrating right alongside of you. But 
you know, it, it, again, going back to what these young men are like coming into the National Football League, they're, they, they look at that and say, well, shame on him instead of, well, I need to do that better. Hmm. Uh, were you the guy who nicknamed him Teapot? Just curious. <laughs> no, but he did simmer over a few times. No, I can't remember who actually made that call. But, uh, you know, we uh, we had so much fun with him. I mean, I, I, I can there's a lot of good memories of Billy O. And I was really excited to have him back. I think he's a creative play caller. Um, but again, it's just there's only so much you can do. You know, you, you dial these things up. If you're a coordinator in the National Football League, if you're a Billy O'Brien, right, and you're trying to figure out how to go out and attack these defenses and you're putting your game plan together, I mean, it can be overwhelming because it's like, okay, well, I I don't really feel – I mean, we used to go into every game. I honestly don't remember a game that we went into and didn't feel really good about our openers. You know what I mean? Like like that that was the goal, right? Put in the work, practice, you know, your tail off all week, and and go into the game feeling great about your openers. And, and sometimes we tweak them right up to the very last second. I have a feeling, I'm going to go out on a limb here, that they don't feel good about their openers, let alone the entire game plan, because of, I mean, how the hell do you evaluate it? How do you really know what you have? And you got guys injured all the time, right? So, and by the way, that used to be the biggest hurdle for an offensive, I mean, honestly, for for coaches in general, who's up, who's down? Is Gronk going to be available? Is he not going to be available? Are we going to be able to go with a two tight formation, or are we or or, or are we going to have to stick with you know moving guys around in in a motion game? Right? I mean, now that's one of many major concerns that you have. Uh, one f- last football question before we move on to other things. Um, you know, we talked about you know whether it's time to move on from, from Bill, uh, in the immediate, is it time to move on from Mac or just, you know, give him a break? Well, I I don't know. I I don't know how you, you build off of what's, what's there now. Right. I mean, sometimes things do get broken and it's unfortunate. I'm I'm not, I'm not a person that thinks that Mac Jones couldn't go somewhere else and, and play well, but I think that there's, you know, some hard feelings, I think that there's a lot of frustration. I think that there's a fan base that, you know, it's it's not an easy place to play, right? And I don't I don't know that any market is necessarily easy, but if you're in New York or you're in Boston, you're in some of these towns that love, you know, their team to the nth degree, um it it can be hard to hear that kind of stuff day in and day out, you know, whether it's your wife or your girlfriend or your family members. You know, it's um, it's it's just a, it's a hard thing to overcome the hole that he's dug. Some of it's self-inflicted, you know. Some of it just the roll of the dice. But either way, you know, if if you're the New England Patriots, I think you have to be looking at you know who who are we going to get? How are we going to trade? How are we going to draft? You know, who will be that guy? Because I think if you start out 2024, you know, with Mac Jones, um. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think you're putting yourself in the best position to win. Yeah, and I even think the question we asked about Bill, or that you asked, if not Bill, who? I think in the immediate here, if not, and I think that's why he's kind of still been in. If not Mac, who? Uh, they cut Bailey Zappi. They released him. They they 
have him on the practice squad. So I don't think they have much faith in him. And I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I do think for his sake too, I think he needs a break. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I would never wish anyone, you know, misery. I mean, I, I mean, by no stretch, I mean, you know, if if things happened in the second half of this season where he starts gaining some confidence, they start making some plays, and he goes out there and starts playing really well, man, I'd be happy as heck for Mac Jones. Yeah. You know, I would I would really feel like, man, wow, uh, you know, how great is it that that he's realizing, you know, some of his hard work and what he's been doing and what he's been through. Um but that's a really hard – I mean, it's really difficult to course correct at any point during the season, right? Once you get into it and you're this far down the rabbit hole, it's really difficult to change course. Um, so I'm not saying it's impossible, but, you know, I hope he does play well. Overall, you know, it, one of the toughest things you can do – I always thought that that drafting a really good corner was probably the hardest thing – in in the National Football League. I think it's I think it's a very dynamic position in almost every way that you could evaluate it. Quarterback obviously is another one of those if you're looking at the offensive side of the ball that's always been difficult, but I always thought corner was was the toughest. Now, I think in today's game finding that quarterback is is the hardest thing. So, look, not an easy task, but you know, there, there's a way to start over again and and uh, and try to find somebody. And, you know, we may be at that point, we get to the end of the season and we don't see a market improvement. Um, we're going to have to start talking about that, I guess, or they are. I mean, again, I'm talking like I'm making some kind of big decision here for the team. I promise you, I'm not, I'm not that smart, but I, I think that that's where they're at. Yeah. And, and now all, all of a sudden you, you have a, a fan base that's, that's hoping other teams lose so that you can get a top top two pick so you can get the pick of the litter with the quarterback. So again, it, it, it's kind of new territory, foreign territory. Um, but I want to switch uh, uh, kind of pivot uh, to some important stuff um, in my time knowing you. Uh, you've been a, a big time philanthropist uh, with the, the Light Foundation, and I know you have a, a couple of events uh, coming up uh, that kind of revolve around the Army-Navy game. On December 7th, you have uh, Whiskey and War Stories from 6 to 9 at the Stockyard. Uh, will there be a little uh, bourbon testing or something going on there in between people telling stories? Well, I know this much. Scotty Neal, you know, who, if you haven't seen the movie 12 Strong, mm -hmm. you should watch it. 12 Strong uh, takes you through a point in time immediately after 9-11 where we had men that went to battle basically with zero support, riding on horseback with the Mujahideen army to answer the call, the greatest call ever, go out and defend this country who's just been attacked. I mean, you know, look, biggest terrorist attack in, in our history, right? And these were the first men dropped in the battle. And they were special operators that, you know, well, just watch the movie, 12 Strong, and then you'll get a good idea of what these horse soldiers represent. And so horse soldier bourbon, 
started by these guys, Scotty Neal, Mark Newt, a whole bunch of guys. And we're going to have these guys in town. They're going to be telling their stories, which are incredible. If you've ever had a chance to, you know, get a behind the scenes look at what the most elite fighters in our nation's history have done to protect our freedoms. And to your point, we're going to be celebrating many different rounds of uh, of their bourbon and their, or their whiskey that they produce. And it's going to be a great night uh, raising money for the Light Foundation, the work we do, but really just being able to be around, you know, those that have served at the highest level. Uh, every time I'm around, you know, those men and those women that that represent our military and, and especially in that sector, I am just, I'm inspired. I'm blown away. You talk about integrity. You talk about trusting your team. You know, you yeah. talk about hard work and all the things that go into it. Um you know, I'm just I'm just amazed every time I'm around it. So this is going to be a great event. We'll be there at the Stockyard, which is an incredible venue, and uh, we'll be able to you know spend a lot of time with those 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 people and hear their story. You also, I believe, have a suite at at the stadium for the Army Navy game, and you're selling tickets individually. Is that right uh, for the suite uh, to go watch that? unbelievable uh america's game and again with the proceeds going to the matt light foundation are you having a tailgate too is that you yes can- <laughs> we are you know i karen i had no idea right and shame on me how big this army navy game was i'd never been to one um obviously gillette hosting this game is a big big deal and um i mean you talk about trash talk. These Army Navy guys do the most extravagant videos, you know, messing with each other, calling each other out. I mean, some of them are hilarious. Some of them are 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 just like, oh my gosh, They're like there's a guy riding a tank, you know, talking about how you know Navy doesn't stand a chance. I mean, it's awesome. It's it's much more than I ever thought it was, and it's where all the top brass in our military come. It's like their Super Bowl, right? And it's going to be a great game. The demand is off the charts. And we're selling. We had 12 packages. I think we're down to eight. It's a chance for you to have two tickets in the suite. Uh, the biggest tailgate for the Army-Navy game, the Johnny Mac, is uh, is where you're going to be able to go and have fun. Uh, they're going to have a live uh, ACDC cover band. So we got an amazing tailgate. Horse Soldier Bourbon, again, will be involved. You'll be in the suite with special operators. You know, the 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 men and women who have served our country at the highest level, soaking in a game with them and parking pa- all that great stuff. And uh, you know, look, if you if you if you've never been and this is a game that's high on your list and you can't find a ticket, this is a great place to get one. And again, the proceeds will benefit the foundation. And uh people can go to mattlight72.com. Is that the best place for them to find out about both events and or purchase tickets? Yeah, yeah, mattlight72.com. We got all the information on a pop-up right when you log on. And uh, we'll see you at either uh, the stockyard on the 7th or at the game on the 9th. And uh, I I can't believe I'm I'm going to a first when it comes to football, but this will be a big one. You know, Matt, I have to say, you know, I was at the uh, hall induction for Dante Skarnecki. I saw you there. Uh, you are one of the best storytellers uh, that I've ever been involved with. 
And the one you told about narcolepsy and, and Dante was priceless. I'm just glad that you didn't fall asleep during this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will never, ever forget just that that period of time in my life, right? You know, I, I got drafted. I'd never seen a draft in my life. Um, I, I never honestly ever thought I'd go play college football, let alone get a chance to play in the league and you know, here I am going to an area that I'd never been to, you know, in our country, the Northeast and, and flying into Massachusetts and, and what a lifestyle change, but my goodness, I must've just been tired. I just in general, cause I slept every, every time that, and this is why I can't shut up. If I, if I stop talking, I'm like a shark that stops swimming, they die. Right. <laughs> like if I'm not actively participating, I, I, at that point in my life would fall asleep. And so I remember meeting Dante and I was like, oh boy, this, this cat is intense. And he had made a point about, you know, paying attention and being alert in the meetings. And we were going into a passing camp, I believe. And I thought, well, I'll just go let him know that I, I've definitely got something eating on me and something's not right with me. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I got narcolepsy, but I'll just let him know I had it. Right. right. And, and I thought he won't check into it. Well, it didn't matter if he was going to check into it or not. Cause the bottom line was, when I told him that, he said, well, you fall asleep in my meeting and I'll kill you. And I'm like, oh, wow. They didn't leave a whole lot of room for error. So uh, he, like I said, really good communicator, that guy, and uh, let you know where you stand immediately. Yeah, he. I think he's, he, he, his retort, too, was uh, you'd be better off falling asleep while driving than falling asleep <laughs> on him, right? <laughs> yeah, which I did my rookie year. I okay. hit... <laughs> I fell asleep and I hit an orange barrel on 495 uh, and it woke me up as it shattered my mirror. But uh, all's good. I, I don't I don't suffer from that these days. And uh, fingers crossed, I won't have that problem in the future. <laughs> well, thanks for spending the time with us today, Matt. Thanks for staying awake and uh, good luck uh, with both your whiskey and war stories and uh, with being at the Army-Navy game at that tailgate. Thank you. Well, Karen, always good to talk to you. Keep, uh, keep doing what you do and uh, look forward to our next conversation. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live.